Entrepreneur MBA podcast purpose is to help existing business owners grow their companies past the $10 million in revenue per year benchmark. Here is your host, Stephen Holastic. Welcome, everyone. My name is Stephen Holastic. I am co-founder and, uh, of Financing Solutions. Over the last 25 years, I've built six companies in the $5 million to $25 million range, and I can't tell you how important it is for businesses to have a line of credit so they, make, so they can make an investment in their business or even for unexpected emergencies. Our line of credit program is easy to get in place, inexpensive when used, and costs nothing to set up, making it a great cash backup plan. If you'd, like to, if you'd like to learn more about our line of credit program, please visit us at fscreditline.com. Again, that's FS as in Financing Solutions, creditline.com. Or give us a call at 862-207-4118. If you apply today, we will even give you a $250 credit on file. Just remember, the time to set up your line of credit is now, not when you actually need it. Today, I am excited to be speaking with Julie Gasky Peer from Peer Performance Solutions. Julie is the founder and president of Peer Performance Solutions. A Peer Performance Solutions, uh, Peer Performance Solutions focuses on enhancing individual and organizational performance. Her particular expertise is on facilitating exceptional leadership and relationship skills. With a Master's of Arts in Organizational Leadership and over 20 years of successful consulting and management experience, Julie works with companies ranging from local nonprofits to multinational organizations. She's also the author of Five Senses for Success, Strengthen to Thrive in Any Arena. Julie, welcome to today's Entrepreneur MBA podcast. Thank you so much, Stephen. I appreciate you having me on and hi to all the listeners out there. Yeah. So, you know, we're going to dive into, you know, uh, a, a topic that I think most entrepreneurs take a couple of years to get used to the idea of. Um, we're going to focus a little bit on leadership, but um, today's topic is small business success, leadership, relationship and accountability. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the reason why I say that is that, you know, most people who are doing podcasts, well, I shouldn't say that. I mean, I think a lot, a lot of times they do have experience. You know, I have 25 years of experience plus in building companies. And I know it took me, you know, several years before I could get into the leadership relationship. You know, the accountability I was pretty good at. So maybe some of our listeners might say, yeah, I'm pretty good at this, but I'm not so good at that. So your book, uh, Five Senses for Success, um, mm-hmm. talks a lot about these three things, leadership, relationship, and accountability, correct? Well, I would say that it, it definitely covers relationship skills, soft skills that are usable in leadership as well as usable with self. So leadership, working with others, and also with self. Um, embedded in there are some elements of accountability, but that's not the entire focus of that particular book. Um, I'm yeah. actually currently working on an ebook that I'm honing in specifically on the accountability piece because I work with people often on that. It seems to be a struggle for small business owners and leaders beyond that as well. What do you think? So that was, I was going to be my, my next question. Out of these three, which do you think is the hardest to kind of get a handle on? I mean, in general, when you speak into all your clients and, mm-hmm. and when you're brought on for assignments, where do you think that they really struggle in leadership or relationships or accountability? Yeah. 
I do see that it can differ by the person. So I see a certain type of person that might struggle with um, the relationship skills. Maybe there's somebody who is, you know, taking the accountability to the hard side and really being like stern and difficult and sometimes even um, problematic in the way they do accountability that they could use some more work on the relationship side. There are others who are so relational intuitively that they don't want to do the accountability piece because it feels like um, being mean or, or not doing something kind, if you will. So I think it depends specifically on the leader that I'm working with. Um, but I do think that successful work in small business, leading a small business or in leadership as an executive or anywhere, even our personal leadership in our lives, we need to blend those three together and kind of make sure that we're doing all three well. I don't think I was good in any of these when I first started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I really, you know, I think, um, you know, like a lot of businesses, um, the, you know, you build the business, the business based on your own, the owner's, the owner's sweat, sweat. Right? right? They really go at it. Um, and I, I, yeah, and then I think the first thing I started to work on was, was I think leadership and then came accountability and then came relationship. So, you know, when you're working with a client, what do you do to identify which areas that they typically are weak in? Yeah. So sometimes I am hired by a client directly as a coaching you know, a coach to them because they're struggling with holding their team accountable for certain elements of performance, or they're struggling to determine strategies, or or they're struggling with even making sure they get their own goals met. So sometimes that's one way that I'm brought in. Um, other times, based on um, an HR or a board or a higher level leader saying, you know, XYZ leader needs some attention on the soft skills, shall we say, because of 360 feedback they got or whatever. So I might be hired by somebody into whom this other leader is reporting. And so um, that's a little bit more nuanced in how I, I go about working on it. But either way, I'm starting with getting to know the individual and understand where their struggles are. So um, on the first leader, they're pretty forthright with where their struggles are. On the second leader that I described, they may not be because they may not agree with the feedback that they've been getting or the idea of even having a coach or I mean, a, yeah, a coach. So um, in that case, I start to, you know, indicate here's what I'm understanding your say 360 feedback was telling you. If you keep moving this direction, how is that going to impact you? So I start asking them those types of questions to help them hopefully see where they may have an investment in shifting the way that they're working. Um, entrepreneurs are often going into entrepreneurship because they have an exciting idea, they have a passion around something, they have great vision, and some of the execution um, is more challenging, the operational execution, um, some of the... Uh, knowing how to bring others along to 
fulfill on this great vision that they may have may be more challenging. So again, I just get in there, try to understand the situation where some challenges are arising for whatever that leader is facing. And then we start working to come up with solutions. And I'm always trying to help them come up with the solutions that work for them. So I'm not saying do this, I'm not prescribing. I do have a lot of background in these things and have been a successful leader. And so it, I can share stories from other people I've worked with from my own background. I can brainstorm together with them ideas, but ultimately they are the ones choosing the path that they are going down. My, my role is facilitative in helping them figure out what that path is and then fulfilling on it. The, so as a coach, I'm also providing some of the accountability for them as an individual, whether it's working with their team, um, whether it's fulfilling on their own goals, whatever it may be, I am also a point of accountability for them. So let's let's take a scenario where you're speaking to a client for the first time. Um, do you typically ask for always the, a 360 degree uh, review? Of, which is just for those out there who aren't familiar with that. That's when you're the people that work for you, uh, you know, are giving feedback on you. Is that something that you? Uh, require? Is this something you suggest? Uh, or is that just, you know, something that sometimes you get because that's when they're bringing you in because they didn't like something they heard? Right. It's not something I currently require. It is more often brought in as a piece of information that is leading to the, the engagement, right? So they're getting certain types of feedback and it can be from their direct reports, but it also can be from colleagues, their managers, even in some cases, it can be clients or other stakeholders that with, with, with whom they're interacting. So um, I don't require it, but if it's there, it's a helpful piece of data to inform the process. But when I first start working with somebody, I try to start with a, a tool I've created where I get them to just think about the different areas of their, um, their life, and that includes their business, it includes some other areas of their life, finances and and um, personal relationships. And because we are humans in our roles as leaders, as business owners. And so understanding the whole entirety of the, the human is helpful in figuring out how the leader can move forward, if that makes sense. So I use this tool as a way for them to do a self-assessment and they are welcome to share their, their kind of grading of themselves um, or not as they choose but it's a way for them to start getting, thinking about the various areas of their lives. And then it, like I'd say 98% of the people do wanna share it and talk about it, you know, in that first session. And so we start there with that information. We start with whatever challenges they're facing. And it can be somebody just saying, I'm having trouble with this team member, or it can be somebody saying, I got this 360 feedback, I'm not sure what I, you know, to do about this. So um, it depends on which avenue they're coming. But I do start with trying to get them to think broadly about what might be impacting them. And, and then we start working through um, assessing what goals they want to set for themselves. And then we chip away at action steps over time to, to address those goals. Yeah, I, you know, 
Yeah, I want to share with the our, our listeners, and I, I've I've said this at one of my other podcasts, um, and that was that um, you know about five years into my second business, and that business was about five million dollars at the time. We had, we had been growing rather rapidly, and I've I've kind of felt terrible about the way I, I felt like I was treating my people who worked for me, and so I went out and I, you know, I did a couple things. I um, I, I was 35 at the time and I went out and I, um, one took a course in how to be a better manager. Second thing as I did was I started seeing a psychologist to help me unpack, you know, what the issues were. And then the third thing was I brought on a coach and, and her job that, that was her to make her job primarily was to make me a better manager and leader. And, uh, you know, I honestly, we, I made a lot of progress and it was really the psychologist, which it took six months for her to help me help myself. Mm-hmm. Um, she was the one who came helped me the most. Um, and, um, and so, you know, um, I, I think that those lessons that I learned, and also I read a lot of books on it. So, you know, I don't think we all go into our business with, you know, leadership, relationship, and accountability all perfect. It's, uh, it's a huge work in progress, at least it was for me. And I think the people who do do good in leadership, relationship, and accountability, I don't know if they're actually always an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, it seems that I worked in corporate America for eight and a half years. And it seems that for some reason, people who work in corporate America in leadership roles seem to do better in leadership relationship and accountability than business owners. And maybe it's just because business owners are so singularly focused on the results. Um, what, do you, what, what is your thoughts on what I just said? Yeah, so I think that, well, from my perspective, the exposure I've had, I have seen struggling leaders both in corporate America and in um, entrepreneurial organizations, small businesses. Yeah, that makes sense, um, of course. Yeah. So I think the challenge is figuring out what is leadership and um, how do we live that out every day. And it looks a little different in corporate America than it does in a small business. But some of the tactics or ways that we lead are common between them. And then um, with regard to relationship, I think often, you know, and probably not every small owner grew up in a corporation and then made that leap to small ownership, um, but many do. And so often as we grow up in an organization, we are a great individual contributor and then we're put into a leadership role. We might be given what I call some of those hard skills, like how to manage budgets. Uh, We already know our technical skills, if you will, specific to the job. and then, you know, how to do performance reviews at the end of the year, whatever those types of things are. Um, but we might not be given or trained on what are the soft skills you need to employ to make sure that you are able to do these hard things, right? And I count accountability as one of the hard things in leadership. And so I call it out because it seems to be such a struggle across the board for people. Um, so when, when we're working with organizations, and I have to be honest, I kind of lost the question. Oh, like, is there a difference? I remember now. So when we're working with um, organizations, we are going to have different 
goals specific to the organization. A corporate leader is going to be thinking about his or her division or department and their goal, that's those goals, and then managing their team. The um, small business owner is going to be thinking about how do I build this business? How do I fulfill on what I've promised to my clients? That kind of thing. They're similar. They're a slightly different take on them. But I do see that there can be struggles in either arena for these three areas. And I again, I think it's very individualized by the person. I could say that my own story in kind of getting to this place where I say these are the three areas I talk about was a little bit of a winding, difficult pathway. I didn't always do these things well. I had some mistakes along the way, and I share some of that in my book. Um, because I want, I and so some of the stories I share in there are mistakes I made as a leader, even because um, when we share what we learn from our failings, that's a great lesson, right? I mean, there's a lot of um, material out there about failures being good for businesses because we learn from them. But yet we are often afraid of failure because we don't want to fail. Nobody does. It doesn't seem like a fun thing, right? But if we mm. can keep focused on those lessons, that's a great thing. And um, I think it's important to, sh to share those with, um, you know, myself as an author, but also leaders with our teams, with, with whomever, being forthright when we make a mistake and, and, and doing, you know, taking that honest approach and then taking it a step further of here's what I've learned from it. Here's how I'm going to adapt. And here's what I'm going to do differently next time. Um, I went a little beyond your question, but it just kind of that came to mind. as I yeah. Was yeah. Well, and also to, to circle back, just because our listeners might be curious, the, the two mm -hmm. things as a psychologist really, really helped me understand yeah. um, that really made a huge difference, not only back then, but for the rest of my life. Um, was because my issue has always been my EQ, my emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. That's always been my weakness. And because usually your greatest strength is your biggest weakness. So you're, my biggest strength is that I'm a driver, that I can really you know, set a goal and just nonstop really go for it, right? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, unfortunately, when I do stuff like that on the way, I can, you know, run people over. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but anyway, the first thing that she, uh, uh, that I learned from her was, um, that I needed to be able to, when I felt myself getting angry, mm -hmm. um, to, uh, and I came up with this myself with, with, with her help was to say, let me think about it. Yeah. That was the number one thing that helped me the most. Um, because I, once I gave myself time to, to calm down, then I, uh, then, and I was um, much. Uh, I, what 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 she made me realize was was that I when I got angry I got stupid, and I couldn't think. And so this by saying let me think about it gave me time to gather my emotions, gather my thoughts, think clearly, and then come back at at the issue. That was the first thing. And then the second thing was because I was young, and I tended to pick businesses which I didn't always know a lot about. Mm -hmm. um, I was always expected to know what I was doing. And so uh, that made me uh, feel really uncomfortable. And I learned that it's okay for me to say, um, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Mm -hmm. Right. And the reason I share that is because, you know, being a, a, a business owner, 
I think we're all learning on the jobs. No one comes with a manual and right. you're, you're constantly learning, right? Um, when, when you are seeing someone, let's, let's take each one of these separately. And let's say uh, when you're saying, when someone says to you, I'm having a leadership skill problem, mm-hmm. right? And, um, and I, I know you're going to dive into it to say, what is it? What do you mean by that? Give me some examples. You know, what are you hearing? When someone says I have, you know, uh, leadership skill issues and mm-hmm. you've started to analyze it, mm-hmm. what is usually, um, some solutions for that? Mm-hmm. Well, of course I'm going to say it depends on the issue, but, yeah. um, I want to address yeah. that question. But I also want to just validate what you experienced with the the story you told about your EQ and kind of growing mm-hmm. in that arena. Um, there, so physiologically, when our amygdala, which we have actually two amygdalae, are heightened, are activated, um, we actually lose some of the access to our prefrontal cortex. So in our brains, that happens. And that's why we cannot be in our best decision-making moment when we are activated, if you will. So that is a very common thing that I see. And actually, um, I'm an executive coach, but I'm also an emotional intelligence coach. So I've, I've worked in that arena as well. Um, and the, the, the way that you describe, you know, saying you need to take a minute to think about it and walking away from the situation for a while, that allows the amygdala to calm, that prehistoric part of our brain to calm, and it gives us greater access to our problem-solving capabilities in the front of our brain. So Mm. it's actually very strong science that leads us that way. And I've talked to a lot of leaders who approach me with that particular issue as part of their their challenge, whether it's through 360 feedback, they've gotten that feedback, or they somebody just said, wow, you're just a jerk, (laughs) you know, because I've seen both. So it's not that anybody is at heart a jerk or at heart trying to be mean or at heart trying to drive people too hard. It's that they care about what they're doing and then it's helping them figure out how can they help other people care about it to the same degree and all of us rise together to to move forward. So I help them work through that. That's one kind of challenge I see. In terms of, let's say it's an accountability challenge, I can't figure out how to help this person on my team um, do what I need them to do. Well, I'm going to be talking to them about some of the things that I put in my book, building trust, how to work with that person to co-create something that will work together. Don't just put down the loss, so to speak, on how to work, move forward. But if we co-create or co-develop, I hear, you know, internationally, um, we that is one of the big tools toward building trust. So, in fact, another brain science thing, when we are in a trusting state, there have been researchers, I'm not a, a person who does this kind of research, I just know from reading, but there have been researchers who have done functional MRIs on people, people's brains when they are in a trusting state. And our brains will actually mirror each other physiologically when we're in a trusting state. So we have to figure out how do we move toward that state. And so there are specific tactics that can be employed, like a couple I mentioned. Um, there's also the modeling that we do. So what we want to see in the people that we lead we need to also display ourselves. 
So if we want people to follow through on things, we need to follow through. So talking to mm -hmm. leaders about those kinds of things. So it can be a lot of different tactics. I mentioned a few, but I really do hone in on what, what specifically is it that I'm hearing from a leader in a given situation. Um, if it would be helpful, I'd be happy to share a little bit about the concepts in the book in terms of the senses, because I think that would give a flavor of some of the things that I talk about with leaders. So the relationships area is kind of center on that leadership relationship and um, accountability, because you need that on both sides of the leadership and accountability. You need those soft skills to be able to do those things. So would that be helpful at this point to talk yeah, a little bit yeah, about Yeah, I'd love to hear it. Yeah. Awesome. So in Five Senses for Success, and I'll just show it, and it's called, um, the tagline is strategies to thrive in any arena. What I have done is I've taken the original five senses that most of us enjoy. And I do recognize that um, some people don't have all five senses available to them. Um, but generally speaking, the five senses of see, hear, touch, taste, and smell, I have elevated those into what I call deeper and more meaningful senses that we can employ for success. That's in leadership, that's in our families, that's in the community. So it's everywhere. And I call those senses observe, listen, feel, engage, and appreciate. And so when I think of observe, I'm thinking of things like we need to make sure that somebody's taking the time to see what the situation is and to observe it fully and to understand the perspectives of other people around them. That can be done with their nonverbals. It can be done with um, showing respect. And um, I, I think I talk about a thing about looking for the light. So I think each of us as human beings have a light inside of us and uh, given to us um, from divine or otherworldly or whatever you may think. Um, that's my personal belief. But I, I think no matter how we got here on earth, we all have a light. We all have unique contributions we can make. We all have unique talents we can employ. And so every single person on your team, in your stakeholder group, whether that's clients or shareholders or boards or whatever, every single one has talents and and things that they can bring to the table. So looking for those elements instead of focusing on the difficult elements, especially when you have a more challenging relationship. In terms of listen, a couple of things I include are being present. So I'm a conflict mediator. I'm a qualified neutral for the state of Minnesota where I live. And um, one of the more difficult things is being fully present when we listen to understand what the other person is saying and what their beliefs and what their thoughts are. Um, often when we're listening, and I'm guilty of it too sometimes, um, we start to think about what we want to respond, what our argument might be, what our different point of view might be, and we're not really listening in a present state of mind to understand the other person. Um, and I also talk about asking good questions. Uh, I went through training with Judith Glazier when she was alive. Uh, her book, I'm spacing on the title, uh, at any rate, she... Um, she did some wonderful training um, and she said, ask a question you don't know the answer to. Because often we ask questions we kind of know, or we ask questions to try and put forth our point of view, not a question that we truly don't know the answer to. And when we get into accountability, that can be really important because we may see or observe 
that somebody isn't performing to what we expect, but we may not understand why. And so taking the time to try and ask those questions and dig in a little from their point of view can help inform where we move. We may not know that they're experiencing a barrier that we can address. It wasn't them, it was this barrier. So really taking the time to understand a situation through asking questions. Um, feel, so you mentioned your emotional intelligence story. I talk about feel that, you know, we are human and we go into workplaces or we own a business and sometimes in some organizations, feelings are kind of a no-no. Like we're not supposed to bring feelings to work. We're not supposed to talk about feelings, but we are human. And I believe that it's important to bring feelings to work as well. And I share a story in the book about a time when I was leading a team and I was extremely emotional in a meeting where we were getting additional resources to expand the team because we'd been doing such a, a wonderful job. And I was thanking them for everything that they had done because it was largely their work that allowed this. Right. And I just helped set the stage for it. And um, I got a little teary eyed in that meeting and, and felt a little ashamed or embarrassed about it afterwards. And I had numerous people come up to me afterwards and say that was really meaningful when they could see how important and how grateful I was about what they had done. So showing emotions appropriately in work is okay, I think. And I think, yes, there's going to be a different level of intimacy of how many feelings or how deep we're going to go in our feelings at work versus at home. But we still can be human appropriately. Often I see leaders take one of the approaches. Either we try to shut the feelings down or we use the feelings as a way to kind of power over people. So we might start yelling or pounding on tables or something like that. I have seen that behavior in organizations and worked with people to address that. And so, um, you know, it's, it's neither of those extremes. It's somewhere in the middle and really acknowledging that we are human and that we, and the EQ part comes into that whole thing as well, the, you know, emotional intelligence. Well, well why do you think uh, uh, emotions are looked down upon at work? Yeah. You know, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, it's a historical thing, right? I'm sorry. So uh, there, there had been the authoritarian here. mode yeah, a long time ago, or, yeah. well, it's still in some organizations, unfortunately, but it was the norm and we've moved kind of more away from that. And that authoritarian mode, mode may have been the birthplace of that, where I don't really care how you feel, just get it done kind of thing. Um, but I think a wise leader is going to understand that the people that they're leading come with emotions and they come with humanity. And if they learn to work with humans, then they are going to get a lot more done than if they just try to, you know, pound their fist on the table and, and try to get it done. And they may get some short-term results with that mode. I've seen that, but what they get is they get a lot of disgruntled people who start, um, deflecting completely, they'll leave or they lower their performance because they're only going to do the bare minimum that they have to, to just keep the person screaming quiet <laughs> and they aren't giving their best. They're all. So basically the person who leads that way ends up derailing their own success and their team's success because who's going to continue giving high performance under that paradigm. But I hope I answered your question. I think it can't. You did. I, 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 I'm going to have to tell you, I, I really like 
what you're saying about your book, because like when I wanted to improve my leadership skills, I think I, I jumped right into the solution first. When I like, I remember reading a book, you know, Lincoln, uh, Lincoln on leadership was one of the books I had read. It was about Abraham Lincoln's leadership skills. Right. And so, you know, I read that book, but I think a lot of, improvements in your leadership skills are more based on your five senses that you just talked about than they are about any one-off solution. And I, and so I think, you know, I think you're hitting the nail right on the head about the idea that you have to understand those five senses before you start coming up with a, a solution, so to speak. Um, and, and, and to me, your book is a little bit unique that way as comparison to going to what we used to do, go to a bookstore and go and look at the shelf on business and see everything about leadership that does not start with the five senses that you just talked about. Yeah. Thank you. I appreciate that feedback. I, I truly do. Um, I, I, what I, my rocky road that I got to hear today and, you know, learn some hard lessons to become a better leader and, and even um, family member, to be honest. And um, because I had a rocky road, I really wanted to be able to share these ideas with others because I wanted others to hopefully have a less rocky road if they felt that these would be of help to them. Um, I, I really did struggle. It took me a long time to get here. And, um, it, and I grew up in a family where these things weren't taught by example. And so you start out that way, you're kind of even more at like a lack of information of how to do it, right? And so I really had to learn these things the hard way and I wanted to just share them with others. In terms of the framework for the five senses, I'm very spiritual and I felt like it was a divine idea that came to me because I woke up one day, I'd been thinking about the concepts, but I hadn't figured out how I was going to frame it yet. Um, and I woke up with the idea of five senses. It just like came to me. So wow. Um, wow. once I started working with that, I changed which sense, like names of senses as I was working through the writing process here and there. But um, largely they became um, this, this framework in this book and uh, I am hopeful that it will help others, you know, avoid some of the pain that I've experienced. Yeah, you know, it, it, you're uh, an experienced business person, just like I am. It, it is a lot nicer when you're trying to. You ever, you ever hear the story of Burden of Sisyphus, which is a Greek mythology? I, I just always remember this from like grade school okay. and, and, and Sisyphus is uh, his, uh, what he needed to do is to push this rock up a hill. And when he got it to, up to the top, it would fall back down, but he, he had to bring it back up again and just keep doing it for the rest of his life. That was the burden of Sisyphus. Well, in the same way, you know, once you start working on these skills and you're pushing that rock, it's really hard in the beginning, yeah. but then as you continue to push it, you get this momentum and you get, it gets easier, doesn't it? It does. So when I'm working with clients, I'll ask them to experiment with me sometimes. So like I'll say, maybe you want to just ask one question to see if you can learn something, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, just throw out, is this a possibility or, 
you know, just asking them what they think. Because if we can approach it with an experimenting mindset, it opens us up a little bit more. Experiments mm. sometimes work and sometimes don't, right? And um, if we can frame our experiments that way, I'm still experimenting and evolving today. You know, I don't think I'm, you know, the end leader I'll be as I continue forward. I think I still will continue to adapt and learn. And um, so I'm also going into new situations, experimenting, trying things, understanding what worked. But then what beautiful thing happens is when we start experimenting, we start seeing change. So um, as a conflict mediator, one of the interesting things that happens is that um, so there's something called conflict coaching. And so sometimes both parties of a conflict don't want to come to the table, but one party does. And so conflict coaching is where I might work with one party to help them understand how they could approach the other party in a different way and see what happens. Because when they start approaching them using these five senses and the tactics underneath of them, it automatically changes the way the person reacts and works with them as well. So we can be a change agent simply by employing these, by showing up differently into the groups and organizations and businesses that where we are, um, we shift that just by doing these things. It's an amazing thing. And then they come back and say, wow, this happened. It was amazing. And then we celebrate success, of course, and, and we keep moving forward. But it really is about that experimenting, trying, getting some of those successes. And then it does like a drop of water makes the ripples. You know, if it falls into a, a body of water, we too, as individuals can make those ripples as well in a positive or negative light, hopefully positive. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we have a couple of minutes left. Okay. Let's, let's, let's just go with a, uh, what would be the first step? Someone would say, listen, I have an issue with leadership, relationships, or accountability. What would you suggest would be the first step? Hmm. Well, I might suggest something slightly different for each of them, but I'll try to come up with that could be one that could be used across the board. So often we go in with preconceived assumptions, our own assumptions. So try to put those assumptions aside and try to go in with a discovery mindset. And that means asking questions, um, paraphrasing what you're hearing to make sure you're understanding what they're saying and what their perspective is. Um, sometimes it's brainstorming. Uh, if there's a, a, a problem that a group is trying to address, doing the questions, but then also, okay, let's brainstorm possibilities. And by asking the questions and brainstorming together, you get into that co-create or co-develop space, which helps build that trust. So I guess that's what I would say are kind of across the board. It helps with all three areas. So you really want to kind of learn more about the problem you're saying, I guess, with using these different tools. Yes. Yeah, because we go in with Correct. our own ideas. Yeah. And um, our okay. ideas and then, one person you know, may not be the full picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're in your, you got, maybe you have to get out of your head a little bit. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why that 360, I, I, I have to go back to it. That's maybe that's why that 360 degree feedback is so important because, you know, you, I think there's nobody who does a 360 degree review 
who doesn't get something they didn't expect out of it, you know, unfortunately. I mean, it's true. I mean, we are not perfect. We are humans, right? So we all have yeah, yeah. things that we, yeah, can learn from. Mm -hmm. So after you get this feedback and you kind of got, you get an idea of your issues that are going on, the things that you're facing, mm -hmm. it, what would the next step be? Mm-hmm. So the feedback for, through 360 or through these discovery kind of conversations either? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, all of them, really kind of all of them. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm big on kind of thinking about problem solving if, there's a, if there are problems. So if I'm working with 360 feedback, if I'm the leader getting that 360 feedback, and sometimes it can be interview information too that's coming in. So 360 mm. feedback can be via survey or in-depth interviews or things like that. But whatever, however that feedback's coming in, I am going to try, if I'm that leader and I've had my own 360s done on me, um, I am going to try and learn more about the areas where I can grow, where I have opportunity. And I'm also going to try and maximize what people are saying I'm doing well. So build on your strengths, shore up your weaknesses. Um, if, so I'm thinking of the small business take, I don't know how many small businesses employ 360 feedback. That would be a suggestion. You know, maybe there's a way that you could get some of that feedback from your team. Aside from that, when you're going into those discovery type meetings that I was describing, um, sometimes we want to take time to think about what we've heard, depending on how sensitive the topics are that are coming up. Sometimes we want to brainstorm and problem solve immediately right within the meeting. So I think it depends on what the issue or issues are. But um, I would always recommend moving toward co-creating co-development um, as much as possible. And yes, as a leader, as a business owner, ultimately you may be the final decision maker on something. So by giving everybody an opportunity to share their ideas, their thoughts, what they see as um, barriers or opportunities, that builds their buy-in, their, their degree of, um, you know, uh, commitment to the idea that ultimately is decided. So leadership is interesting because you want to bring people into that process, but then ultimately sometimes you have to make the decision and it may not be always the popular decision. So that can be, but if we've included people along the way, even unpopular decisions are usually more accepted and more um, committed to than when you're doing it in a silo on your own, deciding things in a silo on your own. When you, when you have a client that you're working with, um, how many times do you typically meet with that client on a monthly basis? Will it be weekly or every two weeks? What What's typical? Um, to be honest, those two timeframes are very typical when I'm doing ongoing leadership coaching. So weekly or biweekly, it depends on the busyness of that leader. And, and also, we always talk about action steps between. And so it also depends on how um, quickly they can get to their action steps. But I've, I've done both weekly and um, biweekly. So uh, I wouldn't recommend something like monthly. I think there's too long between that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. For me and my coach, it was every two weeks, you know, yeah. but I'm also really, really good at getting things done, you know? So when, when I had an assignment from her, you know, let's call it that I, it was always, you know, it would always be done, you know? Yeah. So um, let me ask you a question. I know this is, 
off the beaten track. Um, but okay. how do you know when you have a client, it's just, it's probably, they're not, it's not going to work. In other words yeah. is either you're, I wouldn't say it's so much your style, but it's like, they're just not going to make the changes necessary. Can you usually recognize that pretty early? Well, not usually in the first few sessions. Um, it usually takes a little while to surface unless they're super combative right at the get-go, which I think I've only experienced once. And that was a, yeah. a situation where they'd been assigned to work with a coach. But even in that situation, I was kind of able to work with them to move forward. Um, what I have seen happen, it's less about the relationship, the coach-coachee relationship. It's more about their commitment to following through on things. So what's important in coaching is that the person seeking to work yeah, with say that again. Say that again because it, 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 uh, it was your commitment, it's their commitment, by, right? Oh, it, they, it's important that they're ready to move forward. Mm. So if they aren't committed to their own personal change, their own personal growth, it can be hard as you move forward, you know, a few months in. Um, and then I will, I, I've only had this happen once where I've had a conversation with somebody saying, you know, the last, let's say five sessions, we've had action items and, you know, I, I usually have a quantity there. So like 15 action items over the course, you did one, tell me what's happening for you. You know, so I try to do discovery around that, but I try to give them what I'm observing as well so that they're reacting to kind of what I'm seeing. And then I asked them, so what is your level of commitment to moving forward with this and, and try to, to understand where they're at? In that case, they ultimately opted to stop. Um, but most frequently, we do continue to move forward. Um, I employ a variety of ways that I work with people to help try to motivate, inspire them to, to work on their action items because they came into this for a reason. And I always try to point back to those reasons. Yeah. Good. Well, good stuff. I, I like your book. Um, that's all the time we have for today. Um, I, I would like to thank so very much, Julie, from Peer Performance Solutions for coming on to today's podcast. If you like today's podcast, please feel free to share it with a friend and also subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. And of course, if you're looking for a line of credit for your business, you can call us at 862-207-4118 or visit our website at fscreditline.com. Julie, uh, if people want to get a hold of you, how would they go about doing that? Certainly, I have two websites, Peer Performance Solutions, with an S on the end, .com, and then my name, Julie, with is, which is J-U-L-I, no E, and then Geske, G-E-S-K-E, Peer, P-E-E-R, all one word, .com. Great. Um, and, uh, if our listeners are interested in getting any new business ideas, I tweet daily about lessons for business owners at S Halasnik. That's my name. S H A L A S N I K. And for all you that are out there, um, winter's around the corner, try to get out, enjoy the outside a little bit because sooner or later, depending on where you are in the country, we're going to be back inside and, you know, I think it's important for you to take good care of yourself. So everybody, have a fantastic day. Enjoy yourself. Keep getting better.